Hey everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a podcast about reclaiming the place of priority relationship is providentially intended to hold in your life. You know, we live in a world where community is far too often pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things, but the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As believers, we have the choice to prioritize connection in our life every day and to live face-to-face with God and people. In this show, I'll be number one, sharing research which supports the importance of relationship, number two, giving you tools to help you improve your interpersonal connections, and number three, sharing writings that I have done in the past on the importance of community. It is my sincere hope that the content presented in this podcast equips you to better serve and love others. To access my past and future articles, subscribe to my YouTube channel, or purchase a copy of my books, visit homeschoolerponderings.blogspot.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. I'm super excited to have you guys here today and share this idea with you guys that I've that I'm personally really passionate about. Um, it's a chapter from my ro- most recent book. It's called A God Who Bonds Through Cooperation, The Value of a Shared Task. I wrote this on October 31st of 2019. And as I said, it's an article that I've published in my second book to get that a copy of that book. You can do that from the show notes. It's called Deepen the Dance of Dependence, Prioritizing Relationship Amidst Gen Z Individualism. And in this book, I talk a lot about, as you've probably guessed, relationship and the importance of maintaining community in your life and protecting it from things that would encroach and um, limit your ability to connect with other people. So today I'm going to be talking about why you, why God instituted work. Why God instituted the shared task, why he instituted labor, why he instituted um, everything that revolves around work and the purpose of it. And a lot of people think that the purpose of work is productivity, producing things, um, making money, getting an output, getting an ROI. But that's not why I argue in this chapter that God instituted work and created, um, you know, the sweat of your brow and you putting effort into things. I don't think that's that the return you get from that is the reason that he um, created work. And, you know, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Everything that I talk about on this show and in these books is my personal opinion. I back it up with resources and um, credible, credible sources. I cite those in every chapter. If you're interested in those, please feel free to check out the show notes, show notes of the uh, podcast and the footnotes in my book. It's all there. Um, and feel feel free to disagree with those experts as well. I, I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just simply sharing ideas. So today I'm going to read you a chapter and I'm going to go ahead and begin. The chapter starts on page 32 if you would like to follow along. Um, I know that a lot of you don't actually have my book yet. I took an Instagram poll and about a quarter of you have a copy and 100% of that quarter have read parts of it. But for those three quarters, three quarters of you who do not have a copy yet, you don't have to follow along. I'm going to be reading the book um, right here today. So <clears throat> today I'd like to submit to you the controversial idea that the primary value of work is not work in and of itself. The mindset that you have towards the purpose of work is really what determines the value of the work. In other words, the value of work is determined by the spirit you are partnering with in your labor. So I'm just getting into it immediately right off the bat here of defining what I mean by the purpose of work and saying that I don't believe productivity, return on investment, um, your, your profit is the purpose of work. 
Far too often today, we determine the value of work based on not only its genre or title, but also the passion with which it is carried out. We determine the worth of a given work in our lives based on the excellence we strive for in doing it. We, we say things like, any job is a God job if you give it your all, and all work is valuable if you give it your best. Even a job well done is time well spent. All, all, all these are similar to things that I've heard personally people in my life say, and I don't know that I actually agree with those things, um, because it seems to me to suggest that the value you're getting out of your work is the purpose of work, you know, in general, and I don't really agree with that idea, as I've said. So let me explain why. While striving for excellence in your work can no doubt, no doubt build your own personal character and grow your own personal success, that's not the primary factor which makes worth work valuable. Achievement is not the ultimate purpose of work. Success is not the supreme design which God had in mind when he created work. So what is it? What exactly makes work valuable? Allow me to answer that question with a question. Have you ever wondered why the New Testament talks so much about doing noble things to grow the kingdom of God? I mean, an omnipotent God is completely capable of advancing his own kingdom, don't you think? Why does he constantly encourage us to do it? And that's the thought I really want you guys to think about today is why does God continually uh, make an effort through the New Testament writer's words to work with you? Why is he constantly wanting to build his kingdom with you? Why is he constantly wanting you to help him in bringing about this shalom, this wholeness, this peace to the world that he created? Because I would say that as God, he's perfect, perfectly capable of doing that himself. He's all-powerful. <clears throat> According to standard Christian doctrine, everybody believes that God is almighty, um, sovereign, all-powerful. He can do what he wants with a few exceptions like lying and being evil, that kind of thing. So why do you think that God instituted a universe where he accomplishes goodness through people, through uh, finite humans? Why does he choose humans as the outlet through which he accomplishes all these good things? And that's a question that I've uh, really struggled to answer um, for myself. And um, so this chapter is kind of me working out my own <laughs> opinion on that, the answer to that question. And I, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of this, the, this article. And as always, feel free to reach out on social media. Let me know what you think of this chapter. Let me know why... Um, you know, where you disagree, what you, what your opinion is. I, I always love to hear, I always love that to hear that. Hi guys, I just wanted to take a quick break and tell you about a few opportunities that you have as listeners to support this show. Number one, you can rate and review this podcast. Every rating and review I get helps promote my podcast on distribution sites. If you haven't already done so, it takes 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating and a written review. Number two, you can become a financial supporter of this podcast with a monthly contribution. Just scroll to the bottom of the show notes found in the description of each week's episode and click on the link labeled support this podcast. Many, many thanks to all my past and future supporters, and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of this episode. Why is he consistently encouraging us to do work with him? You might think that he just wishes to develop our character by giving us work to do. However, I think the issue is much more beautiful and profound than that. Throughout the entire New Testament, we are given an illustration of a God who wishes to co-labor with his children. 
Colossians 3.17 in the NIV translation says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. End quote. Many times I think that we take this verse and assume that it means our work should be done with excellence, when in reality, the heart of God is rather for us to simply work with him. Key word is with there, guys. It's not that God is after an end goal in the sense of that's his ultimate purpose of work. It's that he's actually instituted work to work with you. And that's a really uh, weird way of looking at, um, you know, things like the Great Commission, things like um, our purpose as believers here on the earth, things like conversion, um, things like developing the fruit of the spirit in your life, things like um, building a noble character for the benefit of other people. That really changes the way you look at that. When you say, when you see God as not wanting you to do that for the end goal of, you know, fruit, but for the end goal of bonding with you through that process, through that work process. So I'm going to go back to the article here. The words translated in the name in this passage are en onomati. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I'm not sure if I did or not. You can find that on uh, Bible Hub, though, if you would like a more accurate accurate pronunciation. <laughs> en onomati can literally be translated with the name or character. So according to Help's word studies in Hebrew culture, a name is inseparable from the person to whom it belongs, i.e., for example, it is something of his essence. Therefore, in the case of God, it is specially sacred. That is a quote from Souter, I believe, and that you can find that on the Bible, Bible Hub as well. I know that sounded kind of fancy. It looks better on the page than it does me reading it out loud <laughs> for some reason. So in the words, in, in other words, this verse in Colossians, so often used to promote striving for excellence can also mean that we are created to do what whatever we do with the name or character of Jesus. So in other words, the, 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 the underlying message of that verse is not necessarily that we should do everything we do for excellence, striving for excellence, but that it's that we should do everything we do with Jesus, with our maker as a co-operation, a co-bonding process. Again, we see this principle illustrated in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 ESV, quote, for we are all God's... For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. The KJV states, we are laborers together with God. This passage, this passage of scripture also indicates a duality to the work that we do on this earth, a cooperation between us and our creator. In Genesis, God creates the animals, yes, but then what does he do? He asks Adam to name them. And for me, that says that God is not always interesting, interested in accomplishing something. He's not always interested in getting a return on his investment. He's interested He's interested in bonding with another person. So he creates work as an opportunity to bond with a person. And that's something you're going to hear me say a lot throughout this, this article, is that the purpose of work is actually to bond with his children, for God to bond with his children. Um, so my point here is that we often adopt the idea that God wishes for us to work for him, but in reality... His heart yearns to work with us. You see, God is not a fan of work for the sake of work. He's a fan of a mutually shared project, a co-laboring system. God is an advocate of the shared task, which results in the bonding of two souls, not the job, which results in the largest material result. If God were interested in efficiency more than he was interested in bonding with another soul, he wouldn't have made humans the way he did. 
Consider, humans are extremely inefficient creatures. We spend a third of our lives asleep completely unproductive. We tire, we require large of we require large amounts of food in order to operate, we require another in order to reproduce, we come into the world entirely helpless, we expel loads of waste, we wear out as we age. My point is that in creating us, if God was aiming for the most productive, efficient creature in the universe, he missed. And God doesn't miss. So what I'm, what I'm saying here, guys, is that even your physiological design reflects the fact that you are not designed to work for the sake of an end goal. You know, because if we were designed to work for the sake of accomplishing, you know, mighty, tremendous things, our design would be different. We would have less human limitations. We would be less finite. We'd be more strong. Um, we'd be more capable, really. And that's not what our design as humans tells us. We have inescapable needs that we have to have met in order to even function. You know, when a child comes out of the womb into this world, he's not exactly a machine of an industrial machine. You know, he, he's, he's a consuming vehicle. He, he has no power to create things that are good. <laughs> he has no uh, uh, capacity to get, give a profit to his maker. He has none of that. His whole purpose is to grow with, grow up with someone, with his parent at this time in his life. That's his, that's what he's there for. Um, and I, I think that's very similar to what God, the relationship between God and humanity. I don't think God is always interested in what you can give him in the sense of what you can accomplish for his kingdom. I think he's really interested in bonding with you through the process of working towards an end goal. That is, you know, peace on the earth, for example. You know, so I think that's a really uncommon way of looking at work, but I think it's something that we should consider as believers because all of a sudden it takes our mind off of what we can do for God and it moves us into a state of mind where we're considering how can I become closer to my maker, right? So what does this tell us? It tells us that God has something else in mind other than industrialism and productivity when he created the human race and invited us to work with him. I would like to suggest to you that what he had in mind was the, was creating an outlet, a catalyst which would spark the connection between two individuals and encourage the process of bonding. The idea he came up with was work, also known as the shared task. Work is invaluable because it is an extraordinary way for us to bond with both God and others. You know, one of my mentors told me once that when two people go out on a date, they only see a certain, you know, partial, partially complete picture of each other's lives because they're both putting on their best image for each other. But when two individuals go through something difficult, when they work through things together, when they when they devote their energy together towards a shared task, it's in that process that they actually bond more than ever before. It's, it's, it's through work that we have the potential to bond with another soul more than we could in any other way. So that's really something to consider. Um, that when he said that, when my mentor said that, it really hit me really hard. I was like, wow, that's, that's such an encouraging perspective to look at um, work through, you know? <clears throat> So our problem is when we begin pursuing the byproduct of our work more than the original purpose of it, when we begin to value work for the sake of work and not work for the sake of bonding. Am I saying that byproducts and material rewards of hard work are bad? Absolutely not. I'm saying that they should not be our telos. That's the Greek word for the end goal we have, I think. 
It could be the Hebrew. I think it's Greek. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, 4 through 12 says, I saw all the labor and success spring from a man's envy. I saw that all labor and success spring from a man's envy of his neighbor. This too is futile, a pursuit of the wind. Again, I saw futility under the sun. There is a man all alone without even a son or brother. And though there is no end to his labor, his eyes are still not content with his wealth. For whom do I toil and bereave my soul of enjoyment? This too is futile, a miserable task. And man, that verse of scripture really sticks out to me today. I think a lot of Americans are exactly like that. You know, there's no end to our label, labor and we look around and we're not content with our wealth because wealth is not the thing that's meant to satisfy us as relational beings. So, but back to the verse in Ecclesiastes, quote, two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls down without another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can resist. Moreover, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's a powerful passage of scripture, guys. That's probably one of my favorite, um, favorite verses, honestly. Ecclesiastes 4, 4 through 12. That little, that little collection. Lots of good stuff in there, guys. Lots of good stuff in there. The good return for our labor in both the advancement of the kingdom of God and our everyday occupations should be to bond with our maker and others through mutual submission and service. If we begin to work, if we begin to value work foremostly for the excellence we strive to achieve or the return on investment we strive for, we have undermined the most profound, beautiful, original purpose of work. And I'm going to end with a quote um, from To Hell with a Hustle. It's, it's a book that I actually quoted a lot in last, last uh, month's episode, podcast episode. It's by Jefferson Bethke. Um, you can get it on Amazon as well. Quote, <clears throat> you are becoming someone and something. You are being formed. You are an image that is reflecting. But we need to resist reflecting and participating in the hustle that turns us into something we aren't. Why? Because I want to be more than an efficient, driven, ambitious, goal-oriented, achievement-based human. When I envision that person in the future, I don't see a loving human presence. I see a machine. And that's what most of us are pointing our telos toward without realizing it. End quote. And I think that is a profound thought to leave you guys with today. You know, why are you working? Why are you investing the amount of effort that you are into the things in your life? What is your purpose in spending your time um, in a garden, you know, at your institutional workplace, uh, you know, in your family, you know, in your ministry? What is your purpose there? Because I would say that the underlying purpose of all of those things should be to bond with your maker and to bond with the people that he's placed in your life. <clears throat> you know, I think if Americans did this more, we would not see the amount of broken relationships that we are seeing today. And we would not see the amount of hours, you know, that we're working. We put a lot of time into work, guys. As Americans, we like a huge percentage of our lives goes towards a goal. You know, our energy, our time, our resources, our investment all flies toward these fantastic goals. And 
for me, we should be seeing more success in the relational world if we're putting all that time in, into work. Because if we really understood the purpose of work, you know, if we really understood that work is an opportunity to bond with others, we would be seeing more success in our the bonds that we create with people. So this is, I guess, just a chapter of reevaluating, you know, what the purpose of work is, guys. Just thinking, um, what what's the ultimate reason I'm that I'm doing this? What's the ultimate purpose behind these actions that I'm taking? And I hope that you guys have uh, firstly come up with an answer to that question in your head today, but also I hope that what the answer that I've come up with makes sense to you guys. Um, and if it does, reach out and tell me. Please uh, let me know um, what you thought of the episode. Let me know what you think differently, what you would change. As always, remember remember that I'm not a you know infallible source of wisdom. I am learning constantly every day. And the reason that I learn is because I talk with people a lot and particularly people who are older than me. So please reach out. I love to hear anything that anybody has to say um, regarding the, the, the content of this episode or just um, my work in general. Please let me know what you think. And I really look forward to the next episode that I'm going to have with you guys. As I said, the interviews will probably be coming up this summer, but for now I'm mostly doing solo episodes based on the amount of the time that I have to devote to this show because of school. So I really look forward to seeing you guys next time on the Restoring Report podcast. Thank you so much for listening.